Why should you have confidence that the Old Testament is reliable when so many people out there doubt it? Hey guys, in today's episode, I'm going to give you two of the major critiques that people use to say that they don't trust the Old Testament, but we're going to show why they just don't work. Hey guys, I'm William Dyer. This is Dyer Conversations. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. And just to let you know, this is a series I'm doing on the reliability of the Old Testament. So if you've missed the earlier episodes, I'll link it on the screen above or in the description below, and you can check those episodes out. So in the last few episodes, what I've been doing is going over the five major pillars that critical scholars use to say they don't trust the reliability of the Old Testament. So in today's podcast, I'm going to give you number four and number five. Now, the first problem we're going to deal with today that certain people bring up is repetitions in the law of Moses of certain stories. So for example, if you read Genesis chapter one, you get a story about creation. But then when you get to Genesis chapter two, you know what you get? a story about creation. And so what people will do is they'll go to the law of Moses and they'll find these repetition of stories and they'll go, well, there is no good reason why an author would repeat himself like that. So therefore, the law of Moses cannot be from one author. It has to be from a lot of different sources. So then the question we have to ask ourselves is, might there actually be a reason why an author would leave in a story told multiple times? The answer is yes, absolutely. And I'm going to give you that answer right now. One of the features that we find in the Law of Moses is this very thing, a telling of a story and then a retelling of a story. That's not debated. But it's left in there for an exact specific reason. So here's what we see, and you're you're going to notice this, okay? As you read through the Law of Moses, You'll see a story told from point A to point C, all right? Then you'll go to the next chapter, maybe a few chapters later, and it's going to show you a point between A and C. We'll call that point B. And it'll give you a lot of details about point B that weren't given in the first telling of the story. And that is a sort of style by which the ancients wrote. No big deal. I mean, certain people write that way today, too. You've probably seen movies that do that, that kind of show you an overview picture and then go back and give you a little bit more detail about what happened between point A and point C. We actually see this in Genesis chapter 11 and chapter 12. If you look at the chronology in chapter 11 of how old Terah was when he had Abraham and then how old Terah, um, or how old Abraham was when Terah died, You'll notice that Abraham was 135 years old at the end of Genesis chapter 11. However, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, you will notice Abraham is 75 years old. What happened? I thought he was 135 years old. Yeah, well, guess what? What the author is doing is he's telling you a broad overview of a story. And then he's going back in chapter 12 and giving you more detail about Abraham's life at a specific moment when God calls him. So this is exactly what we find in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. This is actually a big example that you will find amongst uh, critics of the Old Testament that they'll say um, the Bible contradicts itself because you'll have different stories of creation. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, it, you know, contradicts itself. Well, 
we're not going to go over all the different little nuances within the text of uh, the fact that it doesn't contradict itself, but I do want to give you one example to show you these things just fail upon close examination. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Okay, pretty straightforward, right? God created man and woman in his image. Well, then you go to Genesis chapter 2, and you get a retelling of the creation story, but you have Adam created in verse 7 of chapter 2, and then you have Eve created all the way at the end of chapter 2 in verses 21 through 22. And so people will point out and go, ah, see, contradiction. Genesis 1, Adam and Eve are created. And then in Genesis 2, they're created, but separately. Okay, let's look at the actual language. You go read this, these two chapters for yourself. I'm not making this up. You can't read into the text all those different assumptions. Literally, all that Genesis 1 tells us is that Adam and Eve were created in God's image by God. It doesn't tell us how close together they were created. It doesn't tell us necessarily um, the time of day they were created or there was back-to-back creation. So there's no details in Genesis chapter 1 that says God created Adam and then the very next nanosecond, God created Eve. It doesn't say that. That's an assumption. So when you go to Genesis chapter 2 and you read that Adam was created, a little bit of time goes by in the day, and then Eve was created, okay, there's your added details. Not a big deal. Let me actually give you a common sense explanation of this. So I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a detective. And you go to a crime scene of an armed robbery at, let's say, a 7-Eleven. And you have a witness there. And the witness tells you, hey, this guy came up. Here's what he looked like. He pulled a gun out. He pointed at the cashier and said, give me all your money. He took the money and he ran out the door. So the investigators, okay, let me ask you a few questions. So the investigator starts to ask a bunch of questions. So, you know, you're asking this person a bunch of questions. And one of the questions that you ask is, did the person say anything besides, give me all your money? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, give me all your money. The clerk said, don't do this. And then they said, if you don't give me the money, I'll shoot you. And the clerk said, well, I got kids. Don't shoot me. And the guy said, open up the cash register. Then he took the money and ran out. Wow, that's a lot more detail. But did the witness contradict themselves? I mean, did, is it, are you as the investigator going to look at them and go, whoa, wait a second, at first you told me they pointed a gun, said give me the money and ran, got the money and ran out. And now you're telling me a whole conversation ensued between those two incidences. No. It's just called common sense. They were giving you the broad picture of what happened, and then as you ask specific questions, they give you specific details. We do that today. And so you find that sort of writing actually in the law of Moses. It doesn't tell you that there's multiple authors. It just tells you that's the way that Moses wrote the text. And he wrote it for a reason. Number one, that's the style that they wrote in. Number two, check this out. Genesis chapter 41, verse 32. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, notice repetition, it means that the matter is confirmed by God and God will quickly bring it about. So we actually have an interpretation, an internal interpretation of why things might be, not necessarily always, but why they might be repeated. And 
the reason why there's repetition sometimes is to show us that things are confirmed or settled by God. Now, does that necessarily apply to all of these situations, like in Genesis 1 and 2 and Genesis 11 and, or 11 and 12? No, not necessarily. But what it does tell us is sometimes there's a reason, and you just got to search for it. Now, for this last critique that scholars bring up sometimes, these critical scholars will bring up, to say that they don't trust the Old Testament, we're not going to go into a lot of detail because, quite honestly, it's just ridiculous. It's called composite sections. And all that means is they'll take a section of scripture and they'll just butcher that thing all apart and go, this, these couple words come from this, and that sentence comes from that source, and this word comes from that source. And before you know it, you're not even left with a Bible passage anymore. You're left with some sort of fragmented, you know, post-Friday the 13th murder scene of a Bible text. Um, so I'm going to give you an example here in Genesis chapter 27. If you've ever read the Bible, you'll remember the story of Jacob and Esau. And if you haven't read it, go read it, all right? So you have the story of Jacob and Esau, and you'll get these scholars, they'll come in and they'll go, um, well, you have this garments of Esau phrase, but then you also have this skins of young goats phrase. Um, you have this term where Isaac said, go, you know, go get me some game. And then you'll have this, well, he came and made him a delicious meal. And so these show that there's different uh, motifs going on, and these must be attributed to different sources. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't even want to give this on the time of day because it's so stupid in my mind to think that an author can't use multiple words, can't describe something, uh, in different ways, or for example, the game and savory dish. Esau goes out to hunt game and then takes that game and makes a delicious meal or a savory dish. What is wrong with that? He's going to hunt an animal and then he makes dinner out of it. Notice I just called it an animal and then I called it dinner, but it's still coming from me, from one person, one voice. So the fact that this is used to critique the Old Testament, I just find quite ridiculous. All right, everybody, I really want to encourage you, if you haven't seen the rest of these episodes, the earlier ones, I'm going to link it again right here and in the description below. The playlist is called The Reliability of the Old Testament. I encourage you to go check it out so that way you can see the entire argument that I've been laying out over all of these different podcasts. But thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Click the like button if you have any questions or comments feel free to leave them below. I will respond to you and get back to you. Uh, and if you have any questions about other Bible passages, maybe I'll do a podcast to try to answer those if I can. Until next time, continue to examine the evidence.